they had tried to sell it. It wasn't selling and they um, had subdivided the property and our real estate agent had looked at it and she's like, it's just, I don't think it, you know, the land's slow. I don't, I don't think it's going to work for what you're looking for. And so, but um, when nothing else was coming through, we said, we just need something with some character. We can do anything. We can work magic, but we need something that has some magic to it that we can enhance. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. It's 11.32 p.m. on a Thursday night and you wake up in a panic. You forgot to send your guests the custom lockbox combination for your Airbnb and you missed the 17 messages they sent saying that they couldn't get in because you enabled sleep mode on your iPhone. You know, to try and cut down on screen time before bed and all. After apologizing profusely and sending them a bottle of bubbly in hopes that they won't leave you a one-star review, you think to yourself, how do other hosts stay on top of guest communications? The answer? They use Guesty for Hosts, an easy-to-use rental management platform. With features like automated messages that send important communications to guests at the exact right times, you'll never have to jeopardize your beauty sleep again. Guesty for Hosts allows short-term rental hosts to manage listings from Airbnb, VRBO, and Booking.com in one calendar and send a series of automated messages before, during, and after the guests stay. The platform also has features that help you manage cleanings, build a custom booking website, and so much more. You can start your 14-day free trial today, no credit card or setup fee or commitment required, and you can cancel any time if you don't love it. And it gets even better. While getting started for the first time, use the discount code SPONSTANIUS for 20% off your first year. Again, that's SPONSTANIUS. Use that discount code at checkout for 20% off your first year. In just a moment, you'll meet Margaret Schutze, the creator and owner of Flat Mountain Farm, a luxury escape and events venue in the Appalachian Mountains of Highland, North Carolina. Margaret has helped design some of the world's most incredible luxury hotels, working on projects for the Ritz-Carlton, Bellman, Waldorf Astoria, and the Four Seasons. And it was her love for design and hospitality that inspired her and her husband Chris to take a risk and build a couple of Airbnbs and a micro-events venue on the three-acre lot of land they lived on in Colorado. To their surprise, it was a hit, and they loved it. So much so that they began to dream of something even bigger, Tune in to hear the story behind how Margaret and Chris bought a magical, rustic, 28-acre plot of land and transformed it into a haven that they call Flat Mountain Farm. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Margaret. So, Margaret, if I were to go to a happy hour with some of your closest friends and if I were to sit down with them and, and ask them to tell me a story that would give good insight into who Margaret is, what what is the story that you imagine they might tell? 
That's a, that's a really, you, you know, interesting question. And I actually asked my friends, um, what they would say, because it's always weird talking about yourself. Um, and also other people's perceptions sometimes differs from what you think, but <laughs> the, the, the theme that I got from a couple of my really close friends was that I'm very comfortable going from a black tie gala to putting on overalls and a baseball hat and digging into the dirt and gardening. So, um, I really am kind of comfortable in all different kinds of scenarios. And so that's what makes it fun to host because we're meeting so many different kinds of people. And I really appreciate that. And so I'm comfortable with people that, you know, jet set all over the world and travel and are used to that Uber luxury experience to, you know, like mom and pop that are just trying to get away for the weekend. Um, and so that's, that's what makes life interesting to me. Wow. That's a, a very well, uh, said answer to that question. In fact, that might be my, that might be my favorite answer I've ever received. I've asked this <laughs> the question a number of times. So, uh, that's, that's, that's great. And I, I do think that that helps give folks a little bit of sense of who you are and, um, you know, and, and how, how you like to live quite frankly. Um, and I appreciate mm -hmm. that diversity. That's very cool. So you and your husband, Chris are the creators and owners of flat mountain farm, which is this 28 acre Haven in Highlands, North Carolina. And on your property, you all have a, a number of short term rentals as well as a, a wedding venue. I'd love to just go back and hear the story around how you and Chris came to acquire this property. Well, it's actually a really interesting story. Um, we were in Colorado and we had moved from downtown Boulder in a very cute historic um, Victorian, needed more land. We have two little kids and needed more room for sword fighting. And so we bought a three acre farm in Colorado and it had a little historic cottage on it. And, you know, this is kind of um, you know, around 2014 ish. So, you know, Airbnb is, is well underway, but not as mainstream as it is now. And so we always knew we were going to Airbnb it, but we were kind of the only ones, like no one I knew had experience doing that. So it wasn't like I could ask anybody for any advice, but I just thought it would be so cool, especially just being that I, you know, my background is in hospitality. So, um, so anyway, so we, um, bought this property and the real honest truth is that we did a renovation and an addition and we spent too much money. So we had to figure out how we were going to pay for <laughs> what we did. And so we, you know, we started, we renovated the cottage and we started Airbnb that, and it was just, I remember thinking, okay, we've got to go ahead and put it up. We're not, we have like maybe two days left of stuff, but we need to get it out there so that we can start getting some bookings. I'm thinking, you know, like weeks in advance. Well, we, the day we put it on, like it books for the next day. And, and my husband looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? Like we're not ready. <laughs> and so that was our first renter and she will forever go down in history and our, our memory of, um, this cute single girl who just came and rented it. And she was so grateful and so sweet. And, um, we were so nervous about it. And that set us up for this, um, this experience of being innkeepers. And so, um, after we got the cottage going in Colorado, then we, um, then we renovated a sixties camper and built its own bathhouse. And so wow. that was our second rental. And then we're like, Hey, I mean, if I just walked around the property one day and I was like, if I wasn't married, I'd want to get married here. So then we just started booking, um, some weddings and then, and then 
we kind of had to do like a little reality check where it was like, wait a second, I'm doing a full-time job. I'm designing these hotels all around the world. I'm managing Airbnb, the cleaning people and raising a three and four year old and, and, you know, doing six events a year. It was just like time out, like where are our priorities? So I needed to tell you that part to understand how we came. So we knew we really liked the event and hosting piece. Um, and that's where we wanted to focus, um, our energy. And so we had done quite well in Colorado and we, we had some money to work with. And so we just kind of really looked over the whole entire United States, um, looking for a mountain small town where we could host, you know, have a couple of, um, rental homes and do weddings and events. And, um, we kind of narrowed it down to the East coast, just kind of, we're both from this side of the country. So brought us back to the South and, and then we landed kind of in North Carolina and then we just Googled cutest town, highest elevation and somehow came across Highlands and had never, ever been here before. And, um, so we just started drive flying in from Colorado and driving around. I mean, we had never even vacationed here before. So it was very bizarre that we were drawn to this area. But um, um, and then we just started looking around and really the property that we ended up purchasing um was not listed like the in the way that we purchased it. So they had tried to sell it, it wasn't selling. And they um, had subdivided the property and our real estate agent had looked at it and she's like, it's just, I don't think it, you know, the land's slow. I don't, I don't think it's going to work for what you're looking for. And so, but um, when nothing else was coming through, we said, we just need something with some character. We can do anything. We can work magic, but we need something that has some magic to it that we can enhance. And so she's like, like, well, we kind of dismissed this place, but let me go take you. So we came and looked at it and it was just the two, two of the rental cabins, um, okay. not the rest of the property. And so we looked at it and I was like, yes, Pam, this is exactly what we are looking for. But you know, this, you're right. The grade, where would we build our house? Cause we, we needed to be able to live here as well. And so, um, we looked across our little lake and I was like, what's that house over there? And she goes, well, that's the rest of the property. And I was, I said, what, what do you mean? And so Chris and I kind of looked at each other and she's like, well, it's out of your price range. And I said, well, not if it ticks every single box and we don't have to build it from scratch. So we, there's four entrances to the property. We drove out um, the one entrance that kind of takes you directly to the Kingfisher and kind of drove back out and then drove into the property from another entrance. And literally I was tearing up. Mm. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like, there's a wood shop. There's another cabin. There's an, a barn. Everything was in shambles. But I mean, you could see past that if you have the vision to what it could be. And then we drove down and there's like the main house. And I was like, this is it. We haven't even stepped inside. And I know this is it. Wow. And we didn't we didn't get to see it until the next day. But we went back to our our Airbnb that we were staying in. And we, I looked at it, I looked at Chris that night and I was like, that's our house. Like, I already know it. Like we haven't even stepped inside. So it was a very, um, you know, kind of God appointed moment because it had basically been waiting for us, um, wow. because no one was, no one was interested in it. That's a incredible story. I'm, I'm curious as you make your way onto the property was the idea of, cause in, in Colorado you had, you said around three acres, is that correct? 
So three Correct. acres. So is the idea of like going from three acres to 28 acres, was that like incredibly overwhelming? Like, I, like I think about myself in that situation, right? And I think about driving, even if it was, it was this beautiful, you know, property with a lot of potential, I feel like the sheer like increase in space and trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do with this had to have been like at least somewhat overwhelming or was it, was it not so? Well, and that's all Chris, that's all my husband. So he wanted a hundred acres. Um, if anybody is familiar with Highlands, they know that that's basically impossible around here. <laughs> um, so we were ecstatic to get 28 and a half. So we, but everything was, the cool thing was, is when we were leaving Colorado, we literally wrote down everything that we wanted. You know, we wanted water. Colorado is so dry. You know, we wanted, we wanted everybody to have privacy from each other. We wanted space. We wanted, and it was really already laid out beautifully by the previous owner. And because I said there's four entrances, so, you know, one cabin, you can go, go a different entrance and you don't even cross paths with us. Yeah. Uh, and the other cabin um, is kind of away from our house and we don't even see them unless we walk over there. So, so that's the beauty of it. It was already kind of developed for us in that way. Um, and so we didn't have to start from scratch by like clearing land and kind of developing it ourselves. Um, the previous owner had already done that and he was a very, um, uh, prominent log home restoration specialist in the area and a builder. So he had an amazing vision and we were just basically building on top of that. Wow. Wow. Gosh, it still seems like it would be quite overwhelming, <laughs> but, uh, I guess, you know, Hey, you guys, you guys are, ha had a little bit of experience doing this already. And you have a lot of experience, uh, with, with respect to, to hospitality builds, um, which is a nice segue into my next question for you. So you've, designed um some of the world's you know most incredible luxury hotels working on projects for the ritz carlton belmond waldorf astoria and four seasons as you approached the design for flat mountain farm like what what frameworks or influences did you pull from previous projects if any like how did you think about approaching the design of the space well um and that's a fun question for me because being in the hospitality world for a long time, you know, I know what a guest is looking for, um, what, you know, what kind of things tick those buttons and also what, where the hotel industry is going and where, where they're struggling. Um, and the main thing that hospitality products are trying to do is give, um, guests an authentic experience for the sense of place that they're in. So, for us, I approached the, our project the same way I would any hotel is a lot of um, dive into the history, dive into understanding um, what drives people to the area and making it as hyper local as you can. Um, and so for, for this area and the buildings that we were working with were historic um, log homes. So it was really easy to pull character and pull stories from that. Um, but what was fun is really you know, one of the things, um, in a hotel is you don't want everything to look so the same. Mm. Um, you really try to customize as much as possible. You know, even if it's a, you know, say a Marriott or a Ritz Carlton, you still want to change the art up in the rooms. Even if a lot of them are the same, you're trying to do different colorways so that if somebody comes more than once, they maybe have a different, um, even like 
um, furniture and fabric kind of experience. So I really wanted each of our cabins to have their own unique identity. And so I created a story for the Kingfisher that was more of a Ralph Lauren inspired, um, you know, really going into that more woodsy, earthy, but layering that with some modern elements, you know, with the, with the new kind of windows and doors and the black paint and kind of with the rustic. So I kind of combined all of those together and created more of that Ralph Lauren lodge, um, log home, but with a modern kind of spin for the Kingfisher. I really tried not to do any white paint, like really wanted to keep it kind of moody and a little bit dark and sexy. And then for the Wren, which is the cabin that y'all got to stay in. Um, I wanted that one is a little bit smaller. Um, and so I really wanted to bring some more white into that one. It has the beautiful log and chinking walls, just like the Kingfisher, but to make that one feel very different. Um, I wanted that one to feel a little bit more kind of J crew layered linens, um, a lot of texture, a little bit of color, um, but a lot of like seagrass and wood and white and leather. I did these really cool, um, armless leather modern chairs with, you know, um, coupled that with like a beautiful rustic side table. So really kind of mixing and matching things. Um, and then, you know, a gorgeous blue Italian range with a vintage farmhouse sink. So, for me, I wanted to make sure that each each accommodation was a very unique, interesting experience that still felt very authentic to the sense of place. Um, our last accommodation that we just rolled in, as you know, um, to by the waterfall is the Chickadee, which is the brand new Airstream. And so that one is going to have a different experience than the other. So people can come and stay with us and stay at, at the different cabins or the Airstream and have a completely unique experience. Um and I think that's more interesting and it draws people back more. I mean, we've already had, we've only been renting the Kingfisher for a year and the rent for maybe six months. And we've already had people come back two and three times wow. and stayed in different places. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, unique to have, to be able to have a space where you can take creative liberties with multiple cabins on a similar property. I think oftentimes the temptation for for hosts is to kind of make everyone everything the same, right? There's some good economies of scale there. And, uh, and, you know, they're quite frankly, their properties might just be limiting, and um, it might be challenging to to do something else. But you guys have done such a, a great job of really kind of creating these diverse experiences for for each of these homes. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we we got the opportunity to stay in the Ren, which was just this incredibly like beautiful and, and meticulously designed cabin. Um, and my wife and I have been traveling for, uh, over a year now we've stayed in, you know, 55, over 55 Airbnbs. And both of us agreed that like the Ren was the most incredible cabin that we've ever stayed in. Uh, you've got, you've talked, you've talked about this. Yeah, no, I mean, but, but seriously, you've got this powerful, beautiful, like Italian stove, uh, incredibly comfortable, you know, King bed in, in the master there. And one of the things that really, we, we like to pay attention to, um, to these homes and, and critique them in um, in in ways that we can as as non critical uh, non creative people. But w one of the things that became very obvious was that there wasn't like a single nook or cranny in the Ren where there wasn't 
we could tell that like every single nook and cranny had been paid attention to like if something was was there it was incredibly intentional and that's not something that you always find in in places especially especially like short-term rentals so that was that was really really incredible and i i want to know a little bit more about how you approached the creation process for the kingfisher which is your larger property and and then also the wren what was what was hardest about each build because you you in these cabins we, we kept saying to ourselves, like, how did they do this? Like, how did they retain sort of the 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 character of of the historic home while also ensuring that it has every sort of like modern amenity that you would want as a guest traveling in, you know, 2022? So what was hardest about each build and what aspect of each build was was most exciting and or enjoyable to you? Okay. Well, that's a really good question. Um, the hardest thing was really not the design because that, I just feel like that's something that I, I, I do all the time. Um, but it was the balancing of the budget, the time, the schedule. I mean, those are things that generally as an interior designer, you know, we're getting into the design and we're managing the process of the hotel, but we have, you know, a client and an owner and a budget. And so we're working with all those things, but when it's your own property and you're managing all of those things through COVID and trying to make sure that, you know, you're meeting those things, the design wasn't really the issue. It was, you know, the, the price of materials, the construction schedule and all of that. So, um, the fun part was definitely, you know, the design, but I did that fairly fast. And then, you know, okay, well, I really want to do new windows. How much does that cost? Is it, you know, can we afford that? Is, is it going to make enough impact? Is it going to be worth it? You know, those are the the things that are interesting. Um, the Kingfisher specifically itself was a challenge, um, in that it's an 1800s log cabin. So it's old. Um, there are pieces that are, you know, rotting away. And so we have to figure out how we're going to manage that and mitigate that. And, you know, how do you keep that character, um, without, you know, scrubbing it, but keeping it safe and and keeping it airtight so that you're not, you know, throwing propane dollars out the window, which is frustrating. So there's so many things I think that are more, that are more challenging, you know, not necessarily on the design side, but on like the owner and the operator and the budget and the schedule. Hmm. So that's where it was most challenging for us. But, um, my husband, um, Chris used to be a general contractor. And, um, so he, um, much to his chagrin, he does not like doing that, but he jumped in of course, and did the GC role. Um, and so he knew exactly how to manage all of that. Um, we're just very creative people. So we have a hard time with a budget. So for me, I'm always like, Nope, I want it. We're going to get it and we're going to buy it. And we'll just figure out how to pay for it later because <laughs> it's worth it to me to have, marble and soapstone and, you know, monogram appliances and, um, you know, all visual comfort lighting. Like I didn't, we didn't skimp on anything at all because to me, I see what that does. Um, and the hospitality side, when the owner comes in at the last minute and tries to cut our budget and I'm like, Oh, you're saving a little bit of money, but in the long run, you're just really, you know, it's sad. And so I didn't want to do that to my own project. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I, I imagine how difficult that <laughs> That must have been, I was, I was going to ask like, Hey, did you, were, were there any liberties that you had to take in the end? Or like, is there, is there anything that you would have done differently, uh, with, with either of the spaces, but it sounds like you decided, Hey, you know what, let's, let's do it. And we'll, we'll figure out, uh, again, how to, how to make up for it on, on the back end. 
Well, we just, you know, we just, what we did is we, we pushed the schedule. I mean, everything took way longer than we thought, you know, we're in a rainforest. We knew that, but the reality of 120 plus inches a year, I mean, there's just so many things that factored in again, COVID and, and things like that, that so really, you know, we probably in hindsight, if we were real developers, we would have, you know, pushed through cut budget and got, you know, got open before, but for us, it was, it was more important for us to realize our vision and have it be the quality and level that we were wanting to do and just take, you know, the time that we needed to do that. Do you have a, a favorite space or a favorite uh, item or appliance in the Wren or the Kingfisher? Like, is, is there is there some aspect of each of those homes where you walk in and like the thing that you're most proud of or, or that brings you that, you know, like as Marie Kondo would say, like sparks the most joy. Is there, is there a particular, uh, uh, asset in each home that you, that you have a special affinity for? Um, it's so funny because in each bedroom or bathroom, I tried to create a really unique experience for that guest. So I thought, okay, if I'm staying in this bedroom, what's special about this room? What can I do for these guests that the other people in the other room in the house are not getting? And so I, I walked through, you know, in my head, how, what was special about each one. Um, and you know, one of the things in like the master suite one is there's sliding doors to the deck. That's super cool. In master suite two, it's a smaller bedroom, but you have a beautiful clawfoot tub and you have a tiny little patio off your bedroom for a little private moment. And then my, in the bathroom upstairs of the Kingfisher, I'm in love with that entire bathroom. Like the wallpaper was such a beast to put up. Um, it was a mural and we didn't quite, Miguel and I were putting wallpaper up. I think it was our second time actually doing it. And it was each panel was supposed to be in a specific order and we totally messed it up, but somehow we like pieced it together and made it work. So that was kind of a hard process. But every time I walk into that bathroom and it has this very dramatic wood angled ceiling, um, which, you know, there's so many, usually when you have a design challenge, it's such an opportunity to create something super interesting and unique. So I was dealing with this really drastic kind of ceiling and then, I had all these elements going on and I, I love layering and pattern. And so that was, I just went for it in that bathroom and everyone seems to react very well to that space, but to sit and enjoy, um, I love the outside patio of the, of the Kingfisher. Mm. It is canopied by rhododendron. It's a flagstone patio. We have the beautiful, like 10 person dining table out there. We have the grill kind of, um, you know, hardwired into, you know, a stone backdrop and it's, and you're overlooking your own private pond and it just is so serene. And it feels like this outdoor room because of the way that like the exterior, um, foliage is kind of like holding you. And then we have the string lights above. So it's a special space. Wow. Yeah. And, and I can attest to that. I remember, uh, when, when you walked us over there, just feeling like, yeah, this is a, it just, it, it's a place that just compels like reflection um, and an inspiration, like at the same time, which is, which is, you know, unique when, so you, you had always intended to host events uh, at Flat Mountain Farm and obviously sort of, you know, COVID, you guys bought the, uh, I believe you acquired the property literally just a few months before uh, COVID hit. So 
Right. Um, I imagine it you know, took a little bit longer to get the event side of things up and running, but I know that you guys have had some events already and uh, we got the privilege of walking around your, your beautiful uh, barn, um, which is I think the primary place where these events are hosted. So talk to us a little bit about what it's been like to host events at Flat Mountain Farm. Like, is it, do you feel like you guys are, you're at a, you're at a point where you're really happy with how things flow. Are there other things kind of like in the works? Like just talk to us a bit about sort of the event side of what you all are building. Sure. Um, so events were always at the forefront of everything that we wanted to do. Um, I love the events. I, I think they're really special. It is um, usually one of the most important days of a family's life. And so to be a part of that and create something really special um, and Chris and I, you know, we are, creatives and we are, we like to kind of set a beautiful stage and let people come in. And it's fun to see how they utilize the property because there's so many different ways that you can, you can get married here or here or here or here, or you can, you know, have a beautiful dinner here. You, I mean, there's so many different little pockets of the property yeah. and that's what's fun. There's not like you get married here and then you go use this. So we, we love creating all these cool nooks and crannies and kind of designing this overall vision and then being like, okay, go for it. See, you know, have free reign. But, um, so we, um, have enjoyed hosting. We do the pro one problem with being, um, having two creatives that live together are we're always thinking, and we're always like, we could do this and we could do that. <laughs> and, we, and so it's never quite done. Um, so we have a lot of things that we want to roll out. Um, um, uh, like over the next couple of years, but, uh, we are really excited. We have about, I think 12 event weekends booked and we just started booking them in November. Wow. So I think that, you know, just goes to show that if you create something truly special and unique, um, people will find you. And I mean, we haven't really done any marketing, so it's really fun. Um, it's fun to see how people are going to use it and everyone's talking about using it when we walk around with the couples in a different way, which is exactly what we want. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's just a testament to, to the intentionality that you all have put in as to where things go, uh, how things should flow. So I think that that's worth, worth being proud of. You were kind enough, as I mentioned before, to walk us around your, your property. And that was, I mean, that was like the highlight of the trip. The run was beautiful, but like even just sort of like walking around and seeing how expansive the property is, the grade of the property, the waterfalls. I mean, it was just like, there was so much more to the property than what first meets, uh, you know, your eye, at least for, for Ren guests. Um, I'm curious, uh, one of the things that we saw as we were walking around was this canoe and you pointed out that, Hey, this was actually used in the last of the Mohicans movie. And I'm curious, do you know the story behind like how that canoe came to be on your property? I don't know the full story. Um, I just know that that movie was filmed in Brevard. So it was filmed, you know, 30, 45 minutes away. And, um, the previous owner, his whole, house and cabins and everything was very kind of in that rustic, um, aesthetic. And so he must've just purchased it off the movie set, like after they finished, but it's a really cool canoe. That thing is huge. Yeah. And so we, that's one thing. Um, if anybody wants to help us figure out where to put that thing and what to do with it, but we're going to do something with it. That's one thing we haven't quite figured out yet, but it's, it's really, really neat little piece of history. Do you guys find it hard to balance like you work because you're you're still, I believe, building your own home right uh, on the property as well as these other these other projects. So like, is it hard to know like where to put energy and time? And it, do you have to like 
designate. No, no, no. All right. Next weekend is all about us and like our home um, as opposed to the chickadee or like how do you guys decide like where to put your creative energy? Uh, that is a really good question. And one that gets negotiated almost on a daily basis, but (laughs) (laughs) we, um, we had to run with, first of all, we lived on property while we were doing all of this construction and our house was a little bit of a disaster. Um, the main house, no one had lived in it for quite some time. So, I mean, we had a lot of, um, animals that had moved in. And so we had to seal up things and get the mold out and, you know, our son got stung in the middle of the night by a wasp. Um, and so we were like, okay, peace out. We've got to like make our home safe. Yeah. Um, and so once we did that, then we were able to focus on the Kingfisher. We did that one first and then we were able to get that one starting to rent because it's all about, like I was saying, you know, cash flow and, yep. and that. So we, you know, since we basically left our full-time jobs to do this job, neither of us were bringing in an income. So we had to focus on getting income as soon as possible. And so for us, that was the Kingfisher. And that was last April, I believe is when we first started renting that. So it's almost been a year. Um, and then once we got that going, that kind of gave us a little bit of a, um, a sigh. We focused on the barn and then the wren. And the wren, we had a deadline. Our very first wedding was October 1st. And I thought, oh, for sure, we're going to have this done by June. No, we were down to the wire, um, literally doing stuff, I want to say the day before the couple checked in and I was sweating bullets, but (laughs) we had to call in like our uncles and people to come help us because it was just a massive, massive, massive project. And, you know, we're just two people and we didn't hire a whole construction crew. Chris did a majority of it himself. We had one, um, helper. His name was Miguel. If we didn't have Miguel, like, I don't know where we would be. And then we had another crew that would do like roofs and windows and doors. But other, after that, like it was Chris and Miguel. Wow. So the amount of work that we got done, which was half of our house, the Kingfisher, the Wren and the barn. And the barn was a massive project as well. Like renovating that and doing, you know, the big, you know, deck off the back, um, in a a year and 10 months, it's kind of miraculous. Yeah, seriously, (laughs) seriously. Jeez. I mean, I'm getting like stressed just thinking about it. Like my, my <laughs> everyone does blood pressure. That's very common yeah. reaction. Oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> Do you, so uh, what is your like favorite part of the property? Like your, your property holistically, like whether it's a back patio on the main house, whether it's the waterfalls, like where's the place where you go and you just immediately like feel reassured that all of this was like the right decision. Like this this, this is going to work like this, this is working and it, it's only going to continue to work. Do you, do you have like a, a place in mind? Um, so, I mean, each little, each cabin has its own little special moment, but you know, surprisingly at the Wren, that little outdoor space that we created that did not exist, um, before we started, I mean, we, we've created that all from scratch with the help of our friends at Polycore. Um, but I mean, that's a special place and you feel so secure right there. And it has this little, you know, beautiful little, um, twig kind of art installation arch that kind of separates it. So I love that little space. It feels so good, but I would have to say that my favorite is the, the waterfall. I Mm. mean, just sitting there 
that waterfall is a beautiful, I mean, not many people can say they have a waterfall on their property going into a private pond, that waterfall spills over into a little lake. And so sitting there and hearing that water rush, and then that really pretty kind of deep blue water, you know, very cold pond, um, sitting there on those big stones, like that's when we kind of need a moment to what are we doing this for? Why, you know, kind of reconvene. Um, that's where we go and sit. Hmm. So right by the chickadee. That's yeah. And, uh, I can, I can testify to the fact that it is a very serene, uh, place. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about the names. So you've got the wren, the kingfisher and the chickadee. And, um, if, I remember correctly, these are all birds. Are they all birds in like the yes, general area? Correct. Or like how did yes. you guys how did you guys come up with the names? Um, well, Highlands is a really big bird watching community. Hmm. So I knew that was there there. Um, and a friend, I was trying to figure out how can we how can we give each of these cabins or each of these places a, a unique identity um so that people instead of I'm saying at cabin one, I mean I wanted something that also helped you know, visually think about, okay, that cabin goes with that aesthetic. So, um, I just, my, a friend of mine, Janet Asbury, I looked at her Instagram one day and she had a beautiful watercolor of a bird of a Kingfisher. And I was like the Kingfisher, that's perfect. Mm. So then I thought, okay, well, let me draw upon that bird theme since we have, um, all this big bird community and like such wildlife here is amazing. Um, and that's where I came up with that. And then trying to figure out, you know, which bird goes with which cabin was really fun. And then the chickadee was perfect for like the smallest one. Yeah. Um, and then it's really like a Carolina wren, but that was just too much of a mouthful. So that's where we landed with just the wren, but that's how we came up with the names. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your, your vision for like the next two, three years for Flat Mountain Farm. So you've got events, which is a, a big component of what you all are trying to do. You've got, you know, primarily, I think, weddings. But but you also have this vision. You were, you were talking to us as we were walking to the waterfall a little bit about the fact that you want to host other sorts of events, maybe maybe retreats, maybe uh, workshops. W- what what else is sort of like on the, the short-term radar for you? Sure. Um, I love, and my passion, passion is more of the workshops and the events. We started to do some of that in Colorado. Um, we had a indigo dyeing workshop. Um, we were going to be doing like floral design. Um, I want to do yoga retreats. So I really want to create this space. My, our vision for the property, it was to create a, like a beautiful space for people to get away and escape the city. Um, escape their everyday life and kind of reconnect with nature. Um, just as you walk outside in the morning and you hear the birds and the, you know, just the wildlife and the water rushing because, you know, around two of the cabins, like you have water rushing, you know, through these little creeks or rivers. And so, um, I wanted to create this serene kind of magical place for people to come and recharge, um, and, and do that in a creative, you know, kind of a creative space. So, we want to do retreats. We want to do corporate retreats. We'd like to do yoga, you know, in the barn. We want to create this space for the community to gather, but also our guests and have these almost like adult education experiences because that's, that's what I like to do. So essentially I'm just creating what I want. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. I love that. And that's, uh, it's really, really, really cool to 
hear a little bit more about how you're imagining this space being not just a place to stay, but a place to really kind of cultivate unique experiences. The right. the final question I have for you is you I mean you've worked on some really cool projects like that you you were telling us too that you you were commuting to like Asia every month working on a big hotel over there like you you've been in the hospitality space for a while like what what did you learn when bringing Flat Mountain Farm to life that has stood out to you like was there was there any like revelation you had about like yourself or did you change the way that you thought about anything or as you as you reflect over just the past couple years how has how has margaret grown um and (laughs) how has margaret's like perspective changed at all um if at all that's an awesome question um I have to say that I have a, a lot more respect for the my my clients and my owners. Just having gone through the building process, the the budgeting, the construction, all of the you know all of the trials and tribulations that come with creating something like this, but then managing it, um, you know, dealing with guests, um, housekeeping. I mean, all of those things have really grown me to really appreciate more of what, how hard this job is, how hard it is to create, um, a luxury hospitality experience, because, um, when you are, um, attracting that level of guests, they have certain expectations and, you know, sometimes stuff happens, you know, I mean, we have had some amazing guests, but one, you know, I want to say two weeks ago, our, the heater went out in the Kingfisher. And so, you know, you know, I meant this beautiful dinner in town with my family. And then all of a sudden I get this, you know, so you're always on. Yeah. So it, it's a, it is a really awesome, um, job to have, but it is a job still. And so you, you still are, you're never able to kind of like let things go because, if you're managing it like we are, and you know, that's how I like to do, I'm, I'm kind of a control freak. So I want to make sure the guest experience is what it should be. And so, you know, you're you're still having to deal with, with things that are going to happen and how do you handle that with your guests? And so I think that that's, you know, something that people just, as they get more experienced and I'm really blessed that I have a lot of relationships in the hospitality industry. So I can call my friend who's a GM and be like, how do you deal with this situation? Like, I don't know what to do. What, how do I, how do I approach this? Because though that's where the challenge for me has been and, and where I've um, appreciated the things that I've done in the past and really had a much more respect uh, for my clients and, and some of the woes that they go through managing properties. Cause you know, when we had, you know, we had a little cottage in an airstream or a camper, you know, we had two, but I mean, they're small and now I'm dealing with, you know, three, you know, three here and then they're bigger. So yeah. there's more people and then add the layer on the events. I mean, it, we're dealing with, we're basically managing a micro resort. So making sure that we're meeting and exceeding everyone's expectations. And then when stuff does go wrong, which it will, um, how you're handling that with grace and, you know, and sometimes people, you know, are just difficult, but <laughs> You just got to keep smiling and keep, you know, telling them that you're doing everything that you can. So I just want to encourage people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That was a a, a very awesome and honest answer. So I appreciate that. (laughs) 
Well, Margaret, for folks that um, want who are listening to this that either want to come and stay at Fly My Own Farm and or just connect with you and learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing, what you're what you all are building, we'll have links to your Instagram um, below in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and, and want to learn more about uh, Flat Mountain Farm, you can follow them on Instagram. We'll also have links to uh, your direct booking site. But is there anywhere else folks should contact you or any other way that they might get in touch if they're interested in learning more about you and, and what you're building or perhaps even booking an event at Flat Mountain Farm? Um, just our website has everything that they should need and how to contact us. So that would be great. Wonderful. All right. We will include that as well. Margaret, thank you so much for your time. This has been a privilege. Uh, thank you for what you're building too. Uh, and, and, you know, extend my thanks to Chris because I know that he's uh, a big part of all of this as well. So appreciate everything that you all are doing and uh, I encourage everyone listening in to go and check out Flat Mountain Farm. It's a very, very incredible experience. Thank you very much. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.